0: Hey folks, welcome back to the next episode of the Jedi Council Podcast, where we like to explore mental health and your favorite fictional characters. This is your, your number one favorite graduate student podcast co-host in the world, Brandon Saxton.
1: <laughs> and hopefully one of your favorite <laughs> professor, podcast co-host, Katie Gordon.
0: Katie, where's that confidence? You, you <laughs> have to just own it when it comes to podcasting. That's what I've learned.
1: I see. I'll try it next time. That, <laughs>
0: that's okay. I, I don't know if you actually need to own it like that, but that that's just sort of my approach. Um, in... And I've actually switched my PhD from clinical psychology to podcasting, so, <laughs> so I do assert some expertise and authority on the topic.
1: I think that's a great idea.
0: All right, folks. Uh, as always, thanks for listening in to, to uh, my random rambling and attempts at humor <laughs> that make up the <laughs> beginning of this episode and all episodes. So, current events. So, one thing that I heard that I thought was kind of interesting... Uh, People who sort of know me and my relationship with, my tumultuous, I guess, relationship with Marvel <laughs> Comics and Stanley specifically and personally uh, know that uh, I'm a big fan of Guardians of the Galaxy. So I'm really uh, excited, or I was excited, when they officially sort of announced a trailer, uh, or announced the game and the trailer for a Guardians of the Galaxy Telltale game, which I'm really excited about. So I think that'll be really uh, interesting. I'm looking forward to playing that. I absolutely love the Batman one. So I'm excited to see what they come up with for Guardians of the Galaxy. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. Anything else current events? Um. Maybe?
1: Let's see. Not much. I mean, I guess there was some initial discussion about Iron Fist, but we I don't know all the details attempt, yet. But I
0: don't think either of us knows the details yet, but it, I did hear a little bit about that too. It seemed like there were some people who are pretty unhappy with the. Uh, show before it's actually even started uh, which I think is pretty interesting especially given the positive reaction and reception for Daredevil Jessica Jones and uh, Luke Cage uh, particularly because Iron Fist falls in that same universe and they're mm-hmm. sort of defending, or rather, developing this Defenders universe. So given the positive reaction of those three, it is surprising that Iron Fist has got some controversy, uh, but maybe it's unsurprising, actually, given the context, which we don't have. But mm-hmm. it is something that I think will be worth uh, maybe taking a look at and talking about, um, probably in a future episode.
1: Yeah, I think so. It's worth following once we have more information. Absolutely. We'll talk a more about it, rather than wildly speculating. <laughs> uh,
0: well, you know, as scientists, that's just, it, we just can't do it. We, just, we can't get on that train, uh, that wild speculation train, and just punch the ticket. We just refuse. So. Okay, so let's jump into the topic for this week. Uh, we both finally had a chance to see Logan, uh, and sort of like, maybe after it, other podcasts. I know there are a lot of people have talked about Logan, but we're here to give you our unique perspective. That's right. So buckle up. All right, if you have not seen Logan, if you aren't interested in any spoilers, just go ahead and turn off your podcast player right now, because this is your official Jedi Council spoiler warning. Mm
1: -hmm. If you haven't
0: seen it, you're not going to want to hear what we're talking about next. Uh, So overall impressions of the film. Katie, what did you think about the movie?
1: I really enjoyed it. I haven't seen a lot of the... I've seen some of the X-Men films, and I actually haven't read many X-Men or Wolverine comics at all, and so I liked that it was a standalone thing. I'm sure it would be, like, have a deeper meaning if I had all of that background, but I appreciated that I could follow and and connect with the story despite not having the full intensive background on it. Um, I thought it was really exciting. It was a great pace. I thought... The story was great i love that there were some good psychological components which we'll talk more about later and characters were super interesting so i like that it had the kind of a western style oh, yeah. to it and i thought it was super fun that they have a, a destination in north dakota you don't get that all the time in movies and so that was kind of special
0: yeah, you don't get the good North Dakota love uh, unless it's like in sort of mockery.
1: Yes, uh, that's true.
0: So it, w- it was good to see it. And mm-hmm. do you know or have any sense as to whether that was, those ending scenes were actually filmed in North Dakota? That was beautiful, and not at all what I see when I look out the window. So
1: <laughs> me so, either. It, it must have like... been right up near the border, right? Which oh, that yes, was it kind of been. the hook. But I don't know if that was on scene. It might have been. I'm not sure where it was. I can Google that if you'd like to give your impressions. Please, go (laughs) ahead.
0: Uh, So I absolutely love the film. Uh, I think I tweeted and said that it is currently my favorite of all the uh, Marvel films. Um, It definitely ranks among my favorite of... Any comic book movie. I thought it was absolutely awesome. I thought the story was really good. I liked a lot of the touches with sort of semi futuristic stuff, like they had the fire truck with sort of this rotating dial light on the front and just little things like that to kind of remind you that this was in the future and there's some subtle changes in technology and, uh, you know, vehicles and sort of how things look or, or behave or act or the automatics uh, trucks for the, you know, the semi trucks. On the road, so there was a lot of really cool stuff like that. I thought Logan was awesome. It was sort of cool to see him, uh, you know, not being as powerful anymore, not having that healing factor, and sort of dealing with a lot of existential stuff that he seemed to sort of had, and taking on this role as a caretaker for Professor Xavier. Uh, I thought the acting was exceptional. I thought the little girl was so awesome. Her, you know, she didn't even have any dialogue for the first half of the movie, and she was acting right alongside Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart, and holding her own in every way. So, yeah, I thought that it was absolutely awesome. Um, I, there's kind of, you know related to some current events there's sort of this story too of like trying to get to the border and seek refuge in a different uh a different country so there was so much going on there and i think a lot of really interesting mental health and social commentary in what was an absolutely awesome action film
1: yeah i i completely agree very well said and while you were saying that i will say that i haven't i couldn't easily without completely tuning you out which i didn't want to do no you're just fine so i didn't tune you out (laughs) so i don't have the answer to the question it looks like um it doesn't show if they actually filmed it there, but they just talk about how the location is a little northwest of Grand Forks, um, but that's not really just miles from the border. That's in Eden, North Dakota. And so I'm not sure. Oh, so that th-
0: the place that they referenced in the film is up near Grand Forks.
1: That's right. Not it, necessarily. The actual okay, place I that see. they filmed it was not in North Dakota. So to answer your question, um, fictionally it was in North Dakota, sure. but in reality it was not filmed in North Dakota.
0: Well, I, you know, I hate to say it, but just more lies from Marvel. <laughs> just what I've come. You'll to expect. You'll never
1: eat. trust again.
0: What I've come to expect. No. Uh, so yeah, absolutely awesome movie. So uh, one thing that's really interesting about the movie and Logan as a character is he's experiencing some suicidal ideation, and you, and that might that's a term worth defining. Mm-hmm. If if you hold on, uh, I I try to be very uh, mindful about. I have this really bad habit, both as someone who's taught and uh, someone who works with clients, who sometimes I speak with the assumption that the person I'm talking to has the same knowledge base that I do. So that's something I'm personally working on. Oh, a lot of us
1: do that, I think. Yeah. Listeners, bear with me. (laughs)
0: Perfectly (laughs) Uh, natural. Yeah. So suicidal ideation, maybe just simply to define it, is really just the act of having thoughts about suicide generally. So Logan, uh, throughout the movie, we sort of come to see is having some suicidal ideation, um, which I thought was really interesting. You don't, I, I don't know, it's sort of, a, it's a very uh, sensitive topic that I think a lot of media doesn't necessarily like to include or, or you know, likes to tread carefully maybe about mm-hmm. it, and I thought the way that it was done was very thoughtful, and uh, from a psychological aspect, you know, in the context of this being a fictional character with some, abilities that normal humans don't uh was accurate yeah and I think it's worth diving in a little bit more
1: yeah I think I think that sounds great
0: so uh maybe Katie can, can just to sort of set the stage and talk a little bit about suicide would you mind uh telling folks just a little bit about suicide prevalence rates or statistics just to sort of make sure we're giving them their fair share of the psychology with their pop culture this week
1: sure so according to the Wor- world health organization um A little bit less, but approximately a million of people die by suicide globally each year. They estimate around 800,000 people die due to suicide every year. Um, Within the United States, it's about 44,000 Americans die by suicide every year. And it's estimated that for every death by suicide, there are 25 attempts. And so this is a really important issue because it's Suicide is not well understood. Suicide prevention is not well understood at this point. And so it's a big priority area in the science and mental health world. And it's really painful that people lose loved ones due to suicide. And there's still quite a bit of stigma surrounding suicide. And that seems to prevent some of um, the study of it, some of the people discussing it openly, and things like that. While we've seen some decrease in that stigma over the years. I think that it's still there. And one example Mm -hmm. that stands out to me is that oftentimes obituaries state the cause of death directly in them. Um, When someone dies by suicide, that is more frequently left out than other causes of death. And this is thought to be due to people being worried about how others will treat them and feeling like it's something that they need to hide. So I think it's really important that we talk more about suicide and what it's like because that's really increases the chances in our ability to prevent it.
0: And I think it's actually worth commenting on there's actually some research support out of your lab actually Mm -hmm. that has shown that there are those different perceptions. Is that correct?
1: Yeah we did a study where we had a fictional obituary and we had the story of someone it was identical But there were three versions of it, and all of them told the story of this person who lived this life, kind of typical and obituary, what you'd see, their contributions, their family connections. And the only difference between the three versions was how they died. And one, it said that they died by suicide, and one, it said they died from cancer, and another, it said that they died by a drug overdose. People only were, they were randomly assigned to see one of them, so that means that everybody only read one of those, and they didn't know the other conditions existed until after the study was complete. Afterwards, we asked people to rate the person in the obituary on different characteristics, such as selfishness, uh, sinfulness, and things like that, uh, weakness and strength. And what we found is that even though everything was identical in the obituary, except for the cause of death, people who were stated to have died from suicide or a drug overdose were rated as more selfish, as more weak, as more sinful than people who died from cancer and so it suggests that there is some of that stigma there in speculation based on some other studies I'm guessing that it's not as severe as it might have been decades ago but it still exists and so that can kind of keep this information from being openly discussed and that's part of what we're hoping to do today Mm -hmm. especially since Logan did a nice job of compassionately depicting What it might be like for someone to experience those types of thoughts and desires.
0: And that's really going to be the ticket for changing some of that stigma, Mm -hmm. is just conversation and uh, and education and awareness. Mm
1: -hmm, Exactly.
0: So uh, there are a lot of different theories of suicide, and uh, we're going to sort of focus on one today that's kind of called the interpersonal, or not kind of called, but rather is explicitly called, sorry, uh, just uh, this is uh, like our third podcast of the day, and it's <laughs> so obvious. And in, in just my sort of speaking, uh, the interpersonal theory of suicide which was actually um, developed by Katie's advisor in in graduate school, or her graduate school advisor, Mm -hmm. rather. Uh, So that's kind of the one we're going to focus on to kind of conceptualize suicide today and maybe help people understand who is uh, maybe likely to die or who might die from suicide. Um, So the interpersonal theory of suicide really consists of three separate components. Um, You have feeling like a burden to others, feeling alone, and then having a certain fearlessness or a capability to harm yourself or a fearlessness about death. Very simply put, those are kind of the three components that individuals uh, who might die or who are at risk to die by suicide will have.
1: That's right, and this theory is different than previous theories in that um, often theories of suicide tell you who might desire suicide, and that's a, a much larger number than people who die by suicide. As, as I mentioned, there are about 25 attempts per, um, for every death by suicide, and if you expand that to people who have suicidal ideation or are thinking about suicide, it's a much bigger number. So the purpose of this theory was to identify the three main characteristics that tell you who's at most at risk for dying by suicide, and the reason that's helpful is because it helps us to be more precise in our interventions. And before having these specific factors named, you might try to, you should prevent suicide in all people, but you you wouldn't have a good way of telling who's at highest risk. Because if you're just basing it on who expresses um, suicidal desire, you should intervene. But the level of intervention, for example, do they need to be hospitalized versus have outpatient therapy, that could be determined as well. So Something unique about this theory as compared to others is it really does try to predict who is likely to die by suicide.
0: So maybe we could take each of these sort of components and sort of break them down piecemeal and maybe provide, a because I sort of went through them kind of quickly, a little bit more of a definition. And then think about some examples from the film that might map onto those constructs. Sure. Just to help people sort of understand the the uh, theory of this this theory of suicide. Um, so the first one, the technical term is thwarted belongingness, but really what it boils down to is, uh, feeling alone or not feeling like you connect with a social group or you don't belong with any group of people. Um, is that sort of how you'd sum that up too, Katie?
1: Yeah. One of the most consistent findings throughout the literature on suicide is that social isolation is a major risk factor. And that's consistent throughout a lot of studies. And so that's what this is really capturing. And it's the perception of being isolated and disconnected. Sometimes people really are. Other times they do have friends and family, but they feel alone. And that's one of the tragedies about having mental health problems is it can make someone feel that way even if they're not. But this is looking at their perception.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important to point out because I know in discussions I've had with people before, it's sometimes hard to understand how can someone feel alone when they have a family or friends. Um, It it really boils down to the perception and the beliefs that the person has about themselves and those connections uh, with other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's sort of think about Logan a little bit or Wolverine. And uh, and it, it is worth sort of maybe reminding folks that neither Katie or I is really a, a, a diehard Marvel sort of fan. So just sort of thinking about the context of the Logan film, uh, thinking about the, uh, the, you know, feeling alone. So you sort of do get this sense that, uh, well, I mean, the X-Men aren't there anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Logan d- doesn't have any of his old friends. He doesn't have this group that he used to do things with and belong to, and uh, you know, try to make the world better with that we've seen throughout the other films. Uh, he, in a, in a lot of ways, is alone right now. Um, you know, he's taking care of Professor Xavier, who's sort of in a drug-induced state, so not really his normal self, uh, at Wolverine's you know behest. So he's in a lot of ways. He is on his own, Mm -hmm. and uh, and I think that's sort of maybe a recurring feeling for Logan as well, because he by the time of that film he's 149 years old at that point, Um, so you know many times any relationships that he may have had uh, ended far earlier than they maybe should have. So I think he not only in many ways, and Logan is alone, but had his perception of feeling alone, maybe just because of his timelessness. Mm-hmm.
1: I, that, I think that's very true, and his uniqueness. I mean, there are yes. a lot of other people like him. Uh, he, I'm sorry to mm-hmm. interrupt, but
0: he's even unique sort of among the mutants. Mm-hmm. A lot of times he didn't even feel like he sort of fit in with the mutants even he sort of felt adjacent even them Mm -hmm. um in a lot of ways because you know he he did have the mutation but he was also modified heavily to sort of be a weapon Mm
1: -hmm. yeah exactly and i think that you know there are these kind of emotional moments professor x who is suffering from some kind of not specifically named but a degenerative brain disease um has these moments where he's he's pretty coherent and says that tells Logan that he's disappointed in him and at first it's not really clear why that is. I'm going to imagine things, but part of it comes out later is that he wanted Logan to have a family, to have connections to other people and yet he doesn't want to do that and um you know, for good reason. He's had these horrible things happen to people he's cared about. His views of himself are negative and so he really has kind of a loner life being paid to drive the limos and like whoever he's around there and then just kind of getting medication for professor x yeah
0: absolutely so i I think there's a very strong case and a lot of examples of uh wolverine or logan uh feeling alone and not feeling like he belongs to any group or anyone anymore especially which might be especially painful for him given the loss of his teammates and comrades the Mm x-men um so the next one is perceived burdensomeness as the technical term are the clinical term for it, um, and really what that boils down to is feeling like you're a burden, or feeling like other people in your life would be better off if you didn't exist. Is really the the most succinct way to sort of sum that up. Um, anything to add to sort of the definition of it, Katie?
1: No I mean, I mean I think I think you're absolutely right it's it's it can be feeling like your family's better off without you but it can also expand to society being better off mm-hmm. without you basically that you're doing more harm than good. Absolutely. That's how it feels.
0: Um and this is uh this is palpable in mm-hmm. the film. Mm-hmm. Uh there and I and I think maybe even throughout sort of Wolverine's history as well. He's sort of always sort of uh you know I get the sense that he's kept away from people Mm -hmm. and tried not to get close to people. And I think the most specific and almost heart-wrenching example in Logan was when near the end of the film, um, you know, uh, we have Laura who's sort of trying to connect with him and and she's kind of upset with him because he's not going to come with them anymore. And uh, he says something along the lines of, it, forgive me for not remembering the exact quote, that uh, everyone who cares about him or everyone who he cares about dies. Mm-hmm. Um, so that very expressly shows that it, his belief is he can't even connect to this person or be with this person who is his biologically his daughter um, because. He, she'll die if yeah, he bad things will life.
1: happen to the, them right he literally believes his presence causes bad things to happen to people. yeah which mm-hmm. you
0: might presume we don't know this but that might be his belief about maybe the x-men too mm-hmm. maybe just anyone around him who he gets close to dies i know there's uh, rom- uh, the romance p- subplot earlier in the series with uh gene gray who mm-hmm. ends up dying so he very much has this belief like you said mm-hmm. very perfectly that People who are in his life, or people who he cares about, will die.
1: And that's a common theme that you see through other kind of hero arcs. I mean, that was definitely something that Buffy struggled with, and right, Batman at different times where they oh, yeah. had this thing about how it's better if I if I go it alone because I'm going to negatively impact people. And you know, it's it's kind of they have that touching scene where uh, Professor X is is uh, they're staying with that family. And he's kind of he wants that for Logan, like you're contributing family member and and feeling like you contribute is the opposite of feeling like a burden, but he just he can't really see that in his future.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Logan absolutely. can't.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's obviously very painful for mm-hmm. him too. So.
1: Yeah, I and one thing I would also add to that is I think that that part of his purpose, uh, even as Wolverine, is starting and his identity as that is is starting to deteriorate too, because he's starting to have that negative reaction, right? He's starting to get sick um, from his own body. And so he doesn't heal as quickly as he used to. He's not as powerful as he used to be. And so even losing some of those abilities, that could be seen as kind of an analogy for individuals, maybe when they're getting older or due to some other circumstances, can't even contribute in the ways they used to because their're aging or because other things have happened and so I thought that was another kind of uh, nuanced way that they incorporated and, and made that feel realistic
0: mm-hmm. absolutely and then uh, the third uh, risk factor the third component of the interpersonal theory of suicide is uh, fear having a fearlessness about suicide or a capability to harm oneself and this one is a is a little bit maybe harder to to define in, in maybe a quick little a blurb as sort of with the other ones but really folks who, who are experienced this, uh, they really what it boils down to very simply put is they don't fear death at that point and that's it's a very it's a hard thing I think for a lot of people to understand because it goes very much against almost like every biological imperative that we have as living beings which is sort of to stay alive uh, and survive uh, to have the fearlessness about death it is a big deal
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's um, definitely a major aspect of it. And um, according to the theory, the idea is that the people who are at most risk for dying by suicide, if they desire it, are the people who've been through a lot of situations where they have habituated or gotten used to physical pain death, you know. um, So for example, you see this in in populations, you can see um, more fearlessness about death in in groups such as uh, physicians who work in the emergency room, veterinarians, uh, military personnel, athletes, intravenous drug users. They're kind of a a mixed group, but one thing that they have in common, and this is part of how Joyner developed this part of the interpersonal theory of suicide, is that they, in their lives, are exposed to repeated Physical pain or fear. And the idea is that people get used to that over time and it's not as scary to them. And so if those people desire suicide, it's a very high risk because most of the time, what protects people, even if they want to die by suicide, is their survival instinct and their fear of death and fear of pain. And so if that's not intact, it becomes a very high risk situation. And I think Logan clearly has been in numerous situations filled with pain and seen death and his fear about that is very much diminished through his experiences.
0: I think one time he even comments that every time he sort of extends his claws that it, it's immensely painful mm-hmm. even just that act so he's experiencing because it happens well relatively frequently just mm-hmm. given his sort of life Uh, that he's always in some sort of pain Mm -hmm. between that and sort of the healing factor, and he's been shot, and he experienced an atomic blast, and he was in, like, multiple wars. Yeah, there's been a lot of exposure to death and a lot of experience of pain for Logan.
1: Yeah, so you have someone like that who starts desiring suicide, very dangerous, because they don't have that protective
0: so maybe we should talk a little bit about some of the warning signs for suicide. Mm-hmm. And maybe, I don't know if they'll map on to what we saw in Logan or not, but it's certainly probably important and interesting uh, maybe for listeners to, to think about or, or information for them to have.
1: Do you mind if I just add a couple more oh, things? That I don't I, at all, Because I, I thought this representation was uh, a really good one about a, topic i care a lot about oh absolutely and some of the other things that logan experienced as you can see that he has uh, a drinking problem and yep. right that he's he's drinking frequently and people who are drinking frequently are at higher risk for death by suicide and it's not because they are more likely to kill themselves while intoxicated but there are a lot of things that go along with drinking regularly that disrupt they can disrupt your health, they can disrupt your thinking and, and your life because of the effects of drinking that much. So I thought that was interesting and potentially tied to he's having these nightmares. He has a, a sense of, you know, I'm. Not, it's not clear if he had post-traumatic stress disorder, but he definitely had some symptoms that suggested, you know, he's having flashbacks mm-hmm. to the terrible things he's done. He wakes up and, and tells Laura about that. He, um, really distances himself from people as we already talked about and that could be related to that Um, and he's hopeless about having a future that's positive as we mentioned before and so I think all of those aspects combine to make it a more in-depth picture of someone who's suffering quite a bit and has very serious suicidal ideation So there's kind of a spectrum. Sometimes people have fleeting thoughts about suicide. He's got a plan, and he's walking around with the bullet that can end his life. Mm -hmm. And that, as we transition to warning signs, is really important to pay attention to because it's if someone has access to the means to kill themselves and they're getting to that point, they're at very high risk. And even Wolverine is, of course, a fictional character, but maybe worth mentioning that. And the demographic characteristics, uh, men particularly who are middle aged, uh, are at elevated risk. And again, he's kind of past middle age. I'm, he is 150, <laughs> but but yeah. we,
0: we don't have a good sense for exactly uh, the you know the stages of life for someone who. Experiences a life like him, but I think that it tracks.
1: Yeah, it doesn't ma- it doesn't map on perfectly, but um, the the forty five to sixty four years of age. That's how group, old he looks. Yeah, he does. He <laughs> we, does look yeah. roughly that old. Yeah. Um, so that's not a great criteria to use, but you know that that kind of age group is at elevated risk. Like I mentioned, um, some of the other risk factors that you see in there too, and men are at greater risk for death by suicide, whereas women are at greater risk for suicide attempts, and so. To me, as someone who cares very much about this, I felt that there was a lot of compassion. Um, I feel like the way they portrayed him evoked feelings of sympathy for his situation rather than viewing him as as weak or some of these other stereotypes or as bad. And so I, I thought that this representation was one of the more sensitive ones of suicidal behavior, even though that is not the main point of the movie. At all. And honestly, towards the end, what you see changing in that is first of all, Laura takes the bullet away from him. So that removing the means is is, is very good. But in addition to that, his connection with her. And as he, he's dying, he says, so this is what it feels like. He has a purpose, which is to save her, right? He doesn't even really want to help her. He kind of externalizes it like it's just for the money or something like that. And that changes over time. And while ultimately it's a tragic outcome at the end, he's no longer seems suicidal. And I think a lot of that has to do with because he is he's contributing, that burdensomeness is decreased. He has a purpose in helping Laura and helping the other children. To um, get to safety and in addition to that he has a connection with someone that's real and that can mean a lot to buffer someone from the painful effects of of suicidal desire
0: absolutely yeah very well said
1: thank you I want to add just one more brief thing so another way that um, suicidal behavior can manifest is if someone does have something medically wrong with them it's often considered more passive and so when Logan's at the doctor the doctor says you should get some tests because you're getting sick and he said and and also I was told that you um well actually Laura says this, I'm confusing a little bit, that you wanna die and so it seems like he's not seeking help for his problem. Now part of that might be because doctors might not know how to fix his problem yeah. because he's he's a mutant. It's
0: it's pretty unprecedented. Adamantium yeah. poisoning, but
1: Exactly. But but it it seems to at least map on similarly to people who have decided maybe they're not as actively like his plans to um himself with the bullet but um to think about just not getting medical treatment or even trying to get better from that uh can be a more passive way of of people who have a desire for death
0: absolutely very well said again Reiterated the well-saidness of what you all just I said. I
1: appreciate that.
0: <laughs> all right. Should we jump into some of those warning sure. signs? Okay. So folks who uh, might be at risk for suicidal uh, behavior or uh, suicide attempts, some of the things that you can look out for for warning signs include um, a one that might seem a little bit obvious but of course are they expressing a desire for suicide are they expressing a desire about death are they thinking about death or thinking about that they might want to go to sleep and never wake up again or that people might be better off without them uh, so that's that's certainly one thing to look for um, that's certainly something that we we don't expressly or explicitly see in Logan, but it's certainly presumed to be happening. Just sort of given the context of situations, I think he did say that he want, was planning to shoot himself mm-hmm. at one point. So actually, it was expressly said. Yeah, I've only seen it once, so I've I've got it in mind, but not perfectly yet.
1: And and the mean I, I think a main takeaway is that sometimes there is a myth that if you mm-hmm. are talking about suicide, then you're not going to do it because if you really want to do it, you wouldn't talk about. It. That's that's just not true. Not everyone talks about it if they're planning on killing themselves, but many people do talk about it, and it's not something to be dismissed.
0: And I also think it's probably worth, since you're bringing up, I think, an important myth, there's also a myth that asking someone about uh, whether or not they're thinking about suicide might prompt them to start thinking about it or do harm, and that's just not the case either. So yeah, there's it,
1: pretty There are pretty rigorous studies now looking that screening people for suicide risk and asking them about it does not plant the idea in their head. Rather, yes. it uh, is helpful for those who are suffering and seems to not really have any impact on those who were not suffering.
0: Absolutely. Another warning sign are any plans of preparation for suicide. So that includes, like you Suggest, or, uh, commented on already the means mm-hmm. uh, in Logan he has this adamantium bullet so this is a bullet that would actually be capable uh, that he could use to kill himself because normal bullets wouldn't uh, so that's, uh, that's just one example of sort of you know uh, are there means do they have a plan are they prepared do they have a time or a day set or a situation where they need to be alone or something like that um, another one are any you know uh, feelings of hopelessness Uh, any nightmares, any agitation, or insomnia. Uh, These are all things that I think we saw in the film. Mm -hmm. Hopelessness is maybe a little bit hard to depict through a movie, but you sort of get the sense that he's sort of hopeless. He's not able to get this yacht that he's wanting to buy. They're raising the price. Uh, He's having a hard time with that. We do see that he's having nightmares, Uh, agitation, well, I mean, that's just Wolverine in general. (laughs) Uh, And then in the insomnia, he's not not sleeping so well. I think that's kind of depicted just Mm -hmm. in the information that we see. Um, And then the isolation and withdrawal, that's just, that's another uh, warning sign for suicide. suicide. And that's very prevalent in the film Mm -hmm. uh, as well. So those are all things uh, that are seen in the film. But beyond that, those are things to keep in mind in real life or everyday life as well. Uh, if you are worried about someone or there's someone in mind, those are just some things to sort of keep in mind to watch out for. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, and so what you what can you do about that? Some of the most important things are uh, be direct and take them seriously. Sometimes people are afraid to talk to their friends openly about suicidal behavior, and maybe they don't directly try to change the subject, but if you say, oh, everything will be fine, that person might shut down and, and maybe stop talking to you, or if you imply that they're just doing it for attention or something like that they might shut down so if you're direct and ask them are you having thoughts about suicide do you have plans Um, and ask them about them that's really important listening non-judgmentally is important a lot of times when people get the courage to speak up about feeling suicidal they're met with someone saying well your life isn't that bad or just think differently about it and that tends to shut down the conversation and so if you can listen, just really listen to what they're saying, even though it's scary, that can be helpful for to opening up the conversation and setting the stage for them to be more honest with you. Uh, show interest and support. Try to be there for them. Offer real hope. We're not saying to say that everything is going to be perfect or anything that's not real. But if you can find certain things in their life that they can look forward to, sometimes those are things that can help them to hang on. Take action, remove means, as much as you can. I mean, you only have so much control over people, but if you, if you can and know about these things, uh, try to get them to give up their stockpiled pills or not keep their gun while they're at risk for suicide. Uh, you know, have someone else keep it for them until they're at a lower risk. Those types of things can be helpful. Don't be sworn to secrecy. Seek help from other people. And you can offer, sometimes people are afraid to seek help from like a therapist or something like that. If you offer to go with them, that can be really helpful. If you need help or they need help, you can try calling the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. That's 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-TALK. And we'll also have links to all of this stuff too. And so it's important to kind of reach out. The idea is to help them to get to be safe in the short term, keep them safe as much as you can, and get them into hopefully connect them with longer-term treatment where they can receive help for the underlying problems that are leading them to desire suicide in the first place.
0: Absolutely. All right. Anything else to add before we jump over to our pros of wisdom, Katie?
1: No, just that you know a lot of people who die by suicide... It's not, they haven't been seen for therapy. There's a big percentage of it. And so it's really important that peers and family members do what they can to be available and help out as much as within their power. And that can really help to prevent suicide.
0: Absolutely. Which, which sort of segues into the Pearl of Wisdom of Brandon, which is really if you are worried or you do have someone in your life that needs help, really just, uh, it kind of goes back to what I said, I think, in a previous week, um, that you might be worried that reaching out is going to maybe, they'll be mad at you. Um, but it, it's just absolutely worth it to reach out and, uh, and to save someone's life. It really yeah. is.
1: And, and do, do what you can. We all have limits on what we can do. But for some people, it can, be, it can mean a lot to have someone who's listening to them and willing to connect them with resources. And if you do that, that, that really can have a meaningful impact.
0: And I think it's also worth saying um, that sometimes there's nothing that you can do, because mm-hmm. I know there are people who sometimes feel responsible or feel guilty or that they should have done more. But like you said, we all have limits and we can only do what we can. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a very complicated uh, and a very sensitive topic. So
1: Yeah, the best thing to do is to ask the questions and be available and help as much as you can, understanding that we all have our limitations in terms of what we can know and what we can do.
0: Absolutely. So thanks so much for listening, folks. We hope Hope you've sort of enjoyed uh, this uh, sort of synopsis or analysis of, of Logan and uh, maybe a little bit lighter on the humor than some of our episodes, but it's such an important topic and I know something that we're both very uh, interested in and passionate about and just want to help people understand it and know about uh, about suicidal ideation and suicide itself. So we hope you've uh, enjoyed it and maybe learned a little something about it. Um, if you haven't checked it out yet, we're currently a part of the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. It's a whole bunch, well, not a whole bunch, I guess, but five, including ours. Really great shows. Uh, I'm talking about shows like Geek Therapy, Rolling for Change, Headshots, and Psych Tech. They're all absolutely awesome shows that, a lot like us, try to integrate sort of uh, mental health and something geeky or nerdy or tech related and sort of bring it all together. Uh, really in a way to sort of just entertain you and hopefully help you learn something new so they're all really great, uh, exceptional shows, exceptional people, I can't recommend them enough Um, and you can find all of our stuff at www.jedi-council.com we've got all of our blog posts there, all of our podcast episodes, and links to our Facebook and Twitter, so feel free to reach out if you have any questions uh, or if there are any topics or characters, anything that you'd like to hear us talk about, we'd be more than happy to do that So thank you so much for listening in, folks. And uh, for my closing offline, I'm going to leave you with a Wolverine quote, uh, which reads, "Quote: Life is a gift; immortality a curse." End quote. So I'm going to focus on the front half of that one and just really say, uh, "Life is a gift."